Framework is a show consecrated to field recording and its use in composition. Field recording, phonography, the art of sound hunting. Open your ears and listen. Framework A Field is a series of special editions curated and produced by guest artists from around the world. A new edition airs every second week, alternating with our usual Framework broadcasts. For more information, see our website at www.frameworkradio.net. This edition has been produced in the UK by Karen Lauka. For more information, see www.karenlauka.com. That's all one word, spelled K-A-R-E-N-L-A-U-K-E. This is a program produced by Karen Lauka for Framework Afield. The program is being produced with special thanks to Steve Brown and Yoon Stefani who kindly allowed me to interview them about their use of field recordings in their design and compositional works. Being a designer and composer myself, I was interested to see what, to what extent both the theatre and experimental music disciplines used field recordings so I could compare this to my own work. Cities of Sound is a sonic exploration of the field recordings I have managed to collect over the past few years from different places and countries I have visited. I was very interested in bringing all the sounds together to produce an almost immersive soundscape for the listener.
Something I'm very interested in examining at the moment is the relationship that field recordings can have in different places and within musical composition. I have some extracts to play of an interview I conducted with Steve Brown, who is a theatre sound designer at the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester. Steve is also Head of Sound at the international organisation entitled Oystat. I am also going to play an interview conducted with Ewan Stefani, who is a lecturer at Leeds University and an electroacoustic and acousmatic composer. One of the main aspects I set out to achieve by conducting interviews between a theatre sound designer and an electroacoustic composer was to see whether there were any similarities in the way that they used field recordings in their work. Ewan and Steve are both responding to questions I have asked him throughout my interview with them and at the end are responding directly to my question of where is sound design and electroacoustic music going in the future and are there any similarities to their respected fields to one another's. I'm Stephen Brown, I'm Head of Sound for the Royal Exchange Theatre Company in Manchester. I'm also Head of the Sound Design Working Group for the International Organisation of Sonographers, Theatre Architects and Technicians, and I'm Sound Design Curator for the 2011 Prague Quadrennial. I'm also a soundscape artist with a particular interest in phonography. Although I've earned a living as a sound designer in theatre for over 20 years now, I've been involved in a number of other projects as well. I've just recently collaborated with artist and theatre designer Dodie Nash, on her listening shell installation at the Victoria and Albert Museum and I've been working with poet Nicola Field with her Castwords project for steam control. With my work at the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester I quite often use immersive sound design. This is simply because it's a theatre in the round and I'm able to put loudspeakers pretty much anywhere within the auditorium and outside the auditorium. So I can place loudspeakers above the audience, below the audience, in front of and behind them. Also inside and outside the theatre. By doing this, really, the audience becomes the centre of every, every sound I create, which is, I think, really important. I generally use between 70 and 120 loudspeakers for any production that I design at the Royal Exchange. I generally start by thinking about what effects or soundscapes I need to compose and create. I then sketch a very rough rig design based on what I've noted from design meetings and by looking at a model of the set that the designer has created. I'll generally pin this plan up on my studio wall and use it as reference and I'll update it when needed as my work progresses. Of course I generally read a script many months in advance of working on any production 
And when reading a script, I of course note down any sound effects that are mentioned and try and get a feeling for the, for the piece and note down any emotional and environmental references that occur. I don't have any fixed way of working in the studio and will often just spend uh, many days creating sounds and trying to create some sort of sonic emotion which I may be able to use in a production. A lot of things come out of rehearsals and I try to respond to those as best I can and um, I quite often sit in rehearsals with the actors and play along with them and just see what's happening really and try and develop a sense of the piece. It's really important to remember that anything that's created for a piece of drama is there to support the playwright's words. I absolutely believe that ideas take precedence over anything technical when designing a show. And personally I see myself as someone who doesn't write music but I do compose atmospheres, sometimes using musical instruments. I don't simply record sound effects but I do create sonic environments, often using familiar sounds. My work may well contain music and sound effects or one or the other, but my overall aim is to solely create an audio environment which supports the production I'm working on. I want my work to support not only the work of the actor but offer another dimension to the production that the audience is experiencing. I also want my design to complement the work of the set designer and the lighting designer and I want their work to be sympathetic towards mine. I think it's important to say that I do feel that sound should only be used when it can truly inform or affect the audience or add to the story being told on stage and we should never forget that well designed and well executed sound effect which can cause an emotional response as well as inform the audience member should never be undervalued. I'm inspired by a great many things, but obviously my biggest inspiration is the world around me. 
and all the sound which that produces. I do like to use field recordings I've made whenever possible and quite often I'll affect these in some way to fit into the overall sound design. You can never have too much source material to work with. For Dodie Nash's wonderful listening shell installation at the VNA, I decided I'd create a piece using solely sounds that I'd recorded on the beach in Brighton. All of these sounds were heavily processed, and many of them sound completely unlike their, the original recordings. It's an impossible task mixing my sound designs down into stereo, so I hope you use your imagination when listening to them and try and imagine yourself in the centre of the sound. For the production of Knives and Hens by David Harrower, which was produced in the studio theatre of the Royal Exchange, I used a number of field recordings. Some were recorded on the beach in Dieppe. Uh, these were recordings of Aeolian harps, which is just a wonderful sound to play with, very emotive, and just supported the play brilliantly. I also recorded some sounds on location at a flour mill in Northumbria. I also mixed in some natural sounds of birds and crickets. How these sounds were placed in the overall sonic picture was crucial. And the harp sounds rotated around the audience, which is uh, a technique I use quite often. The bird sounds came from above the audience and the crickets from loudspeakers placed under the seats. In some scenes I also added some wind tone into this.
had recently designed a play called Rutherford and Son by Geetha Sowerby. Once again it was a very dark piece which centred on a northern glass factory owner and his family. It was a very oppressive play reflecting on the tyrannical ways that Rutherford demonstrates in both his dealings with his family and his business. The sound design was used as an important device used to underpin the feeling of oppression and I chose the sounds I wanted to use very carefully. Almost all the sounds I used were produced by glass or the process of manufacturing glass. Once again this was a really complex immersive sound design. I'm not sure how I describe my design work. It's obviously dictated to by the production I'm working on, but I hope it's always challenging, interesting and adds to the production. I hope my work reflects the fact that sound defines our perceptual, emotional, spiritual and psychological spaces. And I hope it also reflects the fact that sound plays such a prominent part in all of our lives. I'd like to think that uh, sometimes you'd be able to take the production away from my sound design and the design would still have a significant impact on the listener. I'm actually more interested in the end result than the processes I go through to achieve the outcome. The future for theatre sound design could actually be quite bright, but it's really dependent on the other collaborators. It's really dependent on uh, directors understanding how sound can affect their productions and enhance their productions. More work needs to be done in encouraging graduates from the Sonic Arts courses to take an interest in theatre and take an interest in sound design for theatre. At the moment, it seems that most of the people who enter the profession come from technical backgrounds and although this is great in some respects I think there's a certain lack of creativity in the work they're producing. Having said that there's some great work being done at drama schools such as Rose Bruford and Central School of Speech and Drama with regards to developing sound design as an artistic and important theatre discipline.
my background is, first of all, as a trained musician. At the same time, I discovered tape recorders and synthesizers. My brother and I would make experimental cassettes of loops and fan sounds um, and mix them from one machine to another to create layers of textures and rhythms. Um, I love to listen to new sounds and making music using microphones, even just the cheap microphones that we had there. Um, experiencing Stockhausen's work on the radio was a big turning point at an early age. I'm going to my first uh, tape music concert, uh, as it was called then, in Edinburgh when I was around 9 or 10. It was a pretty life-changing event for me. This was the music that I wanted to make. It was created directly from the sound itself. Almost like a sculpted sound, and that really appealed to me. It was a primitive music without the higher level notation system that I found so frustrating to deal with when I was writing for instruments or voice, like college, for example. The synthesizer quickly became my main source of inspiration. Hey. 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 Sometimes I start with a sound, listen to it, see if it evokes any kind of emotional response, and which then may lead to a sequence of events forming in my mind. Um, so quite a spontaneous way of working with sound from the properties of the sound itself. Other times, I will start with a program um, or text, uh, almost as though I'm directing a film. So I'll have a, a script to work with, some description, and then draw out a series of events and think in a more dramatic way and incorporate what the audience will experience into the process. It's always very exciting when something unexpected appears out of a process. But when something appears that you recognize on some level and it triggers a response in you, then that's really exciting. That can often 
be the most original material. I, I take sound recordings from environments for two purposes. Firstly, I enjoy capturing soundscapes as a form of sonic or sometimes social documentary. In these cases, uh, I won't edit or apply sound processing techniques to the recordings. They are composed only in the sense that I've made decisions about which microphones to use where to position the microphones and in the way that I interact with the environment that I'm recording. For example, do I move around or stay in one place as, as the recording takes place? So the composed element is, is in my view, quite minimal in, in those cases. I'm really just there to capture the event in, in a particular way. My second use of environmental sound is to treat the soundscape as a texture rather like a visual artist may use digitized photographs to provide a background or detail within the painting. The soundscape is likely to be edited to fit within a much shorter time scale and I often use time compression techniques to make splices through the original material which are used to deliberately destroy the pace and smooth evolution um, of the original recordings.
in there. The design of novel sounds and textures is an important aspect and usually we experience these types of music in an acousmatic environment too. Of course when a visual element is introduced the dynamics of the work change. You can use the visual or theatrical elements within the performance to hold the attention of the audience and focus upon the music at key moments in a way that may not be possible with music alone. It's also possible to distract attention away from the music of course and the music may then become superfluous. At least that's the danger. Um, it is a difficult balance, uh, but I'm very interested in exploring the theatricality of acousmatic performance by using visual elements to provide distractions or points of focus for the audience's attention. 
I think playing with, with those parameters, I think, is a really fascinating um, and underexploited aspect of um, acousmatic music. I certainly think that the potential of acousmatic music has not yet been fully explored. And I can see it becoming more exciting for the audience and also for the composer as a performance experience. Acoustic music can be performed acousmatically too, as is often the case in theatre. And electroacoustic techniques are becoming increasingly mainstream for, acu for acoustic composers who are becoming more trained and in, in, in these techniques and I've noticed also a growing interest in sound diffusion or spatialization of instrumental sounds and investigating live sound processing. So the tools of the electroacoustic composer I think are becoming more mainstream and certainly achieving complex sound transformations used to require a pretty good knowledge of the, whatever technique you were using but these days uh, the techniques are becoming much easier to control Computers have made it the most interesting way to create music now. Uh, the freedom from Western musical notation was long overdue. And this in itself can lead to some exciting explorations. For example, microtonality. It's, it's possible to control tuning on a computer in a way that you ne never could have done with acoustic instruments or early electronic instruments. Also using concrete sounds, using recorded sounds um, within music, I think that still uh, is underexploited. Sometimes it feels as though what we used to call computer music still hasn't quite reached a high level of musical maturity. Some of the gestures in particular that exist in, in, in computer music can still be rather crude in some cases. Um, when you compare those gestures to the complexity and subtlety of, of, of the best acoustic music, as the software and hardware tools available to the composer become more sophisticated and more intuitive at the same time, Electroacoustic music, I think, will start to benefit from this. It, it's the perfect form of new music for the internet, particularly when it's combined with uh, video in an, an intelligent way. So I think the areas of performance have um, a lot of potential to explore, um, and also using the internet uh, as, as a distribution medium, I think that's definitely where acousmatic music is going.
Comparing the work produced by Ewan and Steve to my own work, I can see many similarities in the way of style and format. To me, the discipline of being a electroacoustic, acousmatic or experimental composer doesn't differ or vary much to the work I carry out as a designer. I use field recordings quite heavily in my work, whether it is design related or compositional related. They have become more and more frequent over the years um, and now feature quite dominantly in my work. I am very interested in organic field recordings and in the association sound can have with space and location. My recent work has developed into more site-specific exhibition and installations. My recent work Recently, my work has developed more into site-specific ex exhibitions and installations. Working as both a composer and sound designer, I am very interested in examining the connections between the two disciplines and how a composer might see him or herself as a designer when using field recordings and sound in an experimental way and how a sound designer might relate to themselves as a composer because of the way they are structuring and composing a musical piece. I have recently been involved in composing and producing a piece entitled Memories on Earth, which was an outdoor sound installation at a country park in Salford in Manchester. Memories on Earth is an experimental soundscape which was produced by using various field recordings that were taken from the park in Salford and fused alongside various recordings I have produced and reproduced that would have been associated with a colliery that was once based in the area, namely the Wet Earth Colliery. The installation was produced for an event titled Dirt and Dreams, which commemorated the work of those that worked in the mining industry. The environmental field recordings, specifically heard at the beginning and end of the piece, were produced with the help of local children and families that came along to a workshop that was run in the park and involved them participating in a sound walk around the area. 
Recordings were made and I tried to incorporate as many as possible into the end piece.
You have been listening to Framework Afield. For more information, see our website at www.frameworkradio.net. Thanks for listening.